Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Ju I think, which is of course Cantonese for Achtung, Achtung. We have completely different We have correspondents today from Hong Kong, which encouraged us to take a rare foray into a new language to welcome listeners to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. <laughs> if you're listening on the day of release, May the 18th, then it's the 80th anniversary of Operation Reinübung, the attempt by the German battleship Bismarck and the heavy cruiser Prince Eugen to block Allied shipping to the United Kingdom. And it did not end well for the Bismarck, did it, Jim? No, it didn't, didn't end well for the Hood either. Lucky shot, though. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, the Bismarck, the mistake the Bismarck made, or one of them, is, the, is this... Leaving port. The Krieg... Well, yeah, but the Kriegsmarine didn't do the thing the Royal Navy did, which is if you're in port, you refuel. If you're in port, you refuel. Doesn't matter if you're... Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're nine-tenths full, you refuel. Yeah. And the... That the Bismarck didn't do that. And why didn't they do that? It's because they're really small, young navy, and they, they haven't. They don't know what they're doing. 
Yeah, they, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. All that. Um, An amazing and amazing movie. Do you remember when they discovered it, it? They discovered the hood and the Bismarck. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they got there the, the, was because there were only three survivors from the hood, weren't there, or something like that. I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, literally all of them were drowned. And and by the time they made this documentary, yeah. which must have been kind of fifteen years ago, I guess, there was one of the one of the survivors was still alive, and they took him to the spot, and he threw out a wreath and oh, oh my god it was it was really really emotional it was it was incredible bit of telly but again rather marking the the thing we've talked about before with uh, maritime battlefields it's like well here's the spot okay i mean yeah. it's the ocean but i would say you always think with kind of things like you know battleships or or i don't know or an aircraft carrier or one of those really big ships even yeah. a small ship so much goes into it. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to HMS Belfast, but, yeah, but, but you know, Belfast, amazing, isn't it? And obviously, that's a cruiser. But you know, you go into, you, you look at all the engine bays and all the rest. Of it. It's so complicated. It's so complex. Yeah. Even you know, even yeah. going onto a U-boat, you know, you look at all that. There's so much that goes into it. There's so much engineering, so much work, and then a shell goes into yeah. it and it sinks, and that's that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. that's gone then. I mean, and 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 also all all the stuff they've built in to prevent like a a hit causing a fire and all that don't work. Goes to the bottom of the ocean. Goes to the bottom of the ocean. You, you know what I mean? Like the magazine, like just... the magazine is the magazine is cut off from this, and yeah. there's fire protection and and all that, and fire uh, fire suppression systems. Shell goes in, goes to the bottom of the ocean, and that's that. Uh, it blows up. I mean, yeah. it's 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 it's, it's, it's just. Losing a ship is think, such a big thing, isn't it? But you also wonder if an awful lot of those sort of um, things like fire suppression and escape stuff is to reassure the crew and to tell the crew. So the crew are going, well, you know, there's a lifeboat if things go wrong. When in fact, actually what happens if things go wrong, it blows up and everyone's... everyone's you know, you know what yeah. I mean? That they're put in there as reassurance. They have a morale system, those things. I they're don't not know. fire suppression. I, do you think they are? They're not... I think they've, it must tie into it enormously because the, the, so the sailors think well the navy cares about us rather than rather than the navy has accepted that there's no way that they can stop a ship blowing up if it's hit by a you know by a ten inch shell yeah you know I what guess. you know what I mean yeah the, the, well no because after all after all we've talked about this a lot with tanks if the tanks unreliable or rubbish the men don't fight do they think well right. there's no point getting no point getting that is there. Whereas if the tank has a reputation for reliability and firepower, and you know, and you look at the you look at the the sort of t- tiger panic in or supposed tiger panic in 1944, that you know, questions in Parliament about how the men the men have the, the the men don't feel that they can get in their tanks and their tanks are unsafe, blah blah blah, and they can't fight. If you had a naval vessel that had no fire suppression systems, yeah, I guess and so. no and no and no lifeboats, you're telling the crew that they're expendable, aren't you? Whereas yeah. if you've got some lifeboats, even though as you've just explained, if the thing like the hood gets hit three blokes three blokes get off it out of what 1200 people yeah i think it is something like that yeah i mean it yeah. is but but on the other hand i mean there's all there's a lot of ships of course that take incredible amounts of punishment there's hms penelope by the same cruiser, virtue yes yeah, yeah. Uh, which is known as hms pepperpot and they literally would yeah. would dangle people down over the sides and and plug them with bits of wood the holes yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, there's a wonderful photograph of, of HMS Penelope coming into port at Grand Harbour in Malta, and it's just you, you cannot believe it. And there's other ships yeah. where the kind of the whole front has just been completely blown off, but because of the yeah. bulkheads, it's still kind of yeah. it's still going. I but mean, you know what? But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I do know what you mean. It's yeah, I do. some of these things have to serve that purpose as well. Yeah, that that the, the sailors do, because after all, I mean, the the, the Royal Navy a hundred years 
150 years before that, Nelson's Royal Navy, what are the, fi- I mean, I don't know. I don't know the culture of telling the crew that they're cared about in those terms, in terms of the ship being safe or, because let's not forget, of course, the Second World War Navy is one that follows the First World War Navy and follows everything in the Second World War, follows the experience of the First World War. You've got to tell, you've got to tell your men, you're not just going to try and get them killed, that it's still before flesh. So you have a complex ship yeah. that, that, I mean, how many, I mean, that'd be interesting to know how many lifeboats there are on the Bismarck, what the Bismarck's provision in that yeah, respect is. I don't know is. off the top of my head. You, you know, and whether, and whether they're being given that same reassurance by the crew. But do you not think of it, if you're a young sailor or a young, sub, you know, a, a young sub-lieutenant or a midshipman or whatever, uh, um, you know, and you went on to the Bismarck or you went on to, you know, the Hood or, or the Prince of Wales or whatever, you know, would you not just think, this is unsinkable. This is just so immense. It's so they're so well, big, and 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 you, and you might you you might, but you might also think you might also if there were no lifeboats, you might think no, they don't. But if oh yeah, you, wrong, you, they yeah, care, you would they don't think care that. about us. They don't care about us, and the navy the navy regards us as you know the, the sort of robot ants to make this thing work rather than people they care about. And you know th- these these are important morale questions. In the mid twentieth century, aren't they? They have. Uh, to. But here's a here's a. Thought, it's like though. the it's like the it's like the fact that the Panther has an escape hatch, uh, and Japanese tanks don't. But I, but I think yes yes yeah 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 yeah. Do you know when you're going into something like the Royal Navy, you're you're going into this tradition which obviously evokes Nelson and and Britannia rules yeah. the waves and yeah. uh, and all the rest of it. You know if you're if you're going if you're if you're flying over Germany in a B seventeen or a Lancaster, you know. It doesn't matter how good you know. You can improve your chances with skill, but ultimately, there's, it, it's it's a lottery, isn't it? To a certain extent, to a that's very large why you're extent. Give, that's why you're given a parachute, even though the chances right. are you're not going to bail out. Yes, but but my point is, when you go into the navy, you're going to know that that superior seamanship will make a massive difference. Yes, well, well, yes. In, in a way that, that it doesn't in a bomber crew. That luck, the yes, luck is possibly less of a factor. And that's possibly. what's driven into that's what's drummed into the Royal Navy, isn't it? And people in the yeah. Royal Navy. If you're yeah, really good also... your chances of survival will be better. You will, yes, but you that's will also succeed. but that's also that's also mora- morale and training it, it being inextricably linked. People who are well yes. trained and are confident in their training um have better morale. Aren't gonna aren't well but also have better morale. So aren't in a battle gonna go, oh no, it ain't worth the candle. In the it, it, in the way that the British Army is infected for two years by a "we have shit kit" um, uh, right. con- conception. There's, there's no, um, there's no sense at all, is there, in the Royal Navy that the the, the, the kit is a bit shit because it isn't. It doesn't, it doesn't seem that way because it isn't, but also because they're very, very well trained. And we've talked about this. We've talked about this before that so much of the naval training you you can do in peacetime anyway, which is you know getting a get get getting a ship running silent. You could do a lot of it in peacetime. Anyway, yeah, in a way that you can't do all arms training. No, in wartime. No, no, no. Exactly, it's impossible. You know, you can practice gunnery in an open ocean that you can't do um, in a tiny country like the no. UK. No, so you can uh, get so really on. good with your naval forces, can't you? There's a there's a caveat to that because you know, I, I, I've interviewed people and read accounts where they sort of go, oh, we got given this sort of you know really old crappy little old destroyer, and none of us liked it, and it was absolutely rubbish. Um, but then we got on a tribal class, and you know that later, and that was really yeah. good, you know. But but yeah. when they get the crappy old destroyer that's sort of slightly sort of creaking at the seams, the pride 
is still there, yeah. isn't it? You know, and again, yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. down to training, isn't it? Training, morale, yeah. all the rest of it. Gosh, we've just done a bit of naval chat. All that, a bit of naval chat, all that, because it's May the 18th. We sidetracked ourselves quite beautifully there. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, have some, we have some sad news, which reaches us from the listener, Richard Donnellan, who says, Hi, guys, I've been listening to the pod since the beginning. Great stuff. Some sad news, but the last member of the original Pathfinder Platoon Unit's 21st Independent Parachute Company and 1st Independent Parachute uh, Platoon, James Chittenden, passed away today at the ripe old age of 97. As an XOC of the Pathfinder platoon many moons ago, it was always fascinating to meet the originals, especially during Arnhem celebrations and listen to their banter and memories. As a young officer, I escorted John Howard on the march past during Airborne Forces Day in Aldershot in 94. And it was a privilege to meet him too and all the others who served in World War II. Keep the podcasts coming. Well, gosh, the the actual independent company there. I mean, that's the, the name we've, we've given the patrons um or that we've taken um that is that is quite something the stuff he'll have seen and the stuff he'll have done because mm. they were picked they were people running the pathfinder independent companies were given the pick of who they wanted so they were the volunteers of the volunteers right. as it were with it within within airborne forces and apparently jim took part in the pathfinding for dragoon in southern france in august 44 which is the where they wow, were, uh, it is of, sad, isn't it? They're just slipping away. Second parachute, second parachute brigade, and um, there's a there's a bit of there was a bit of that in um, Chatterton's book about the gliders taking off and then having to land again because the thing had been postponed, mm. which wouldn't which wouldn't be any fun. Yes, it's sad, isn't it? It is. That's they're just the, they're just slipping away so fast now. It was yep. just that, it was just that point where you know I don't know when I was sort of first get got into all this. There was so many veterans around. But I still remember the kind of urgency with which I sort of scurried off to go and talk yeah. to them and interview them. And now there's just hardly any. I mean, yeah, really few and few and Nearly. far between. Oh, oh well, gosh, time marches on regardless, James. Um, that's the that's the problem, isn't it? That's the thing, right? Okay. Well, we have some emails. Uh, this is from John Cardus, who's in Hong Kong. Um, have you have you ever been to Hong Kong, James? No, no, I have. Oh, I've been I've been several times. Yeah, and. Um, for the set for the sevens, which is um, the most amazing event, mm. I did I did a thing where I was the sort of um, they'd wheel me out and I'd walk the touchline as the sort of face of the sevens as the pub landlord, which is a real laugh. <laughs> and everyone's in everyone's in fancy dress, and um, it's a, a, yeah, it's a great a great a great place. Uh, uh, everyone's in fancy dress, and the year we went, there was a guy, um, uh, an Asian guy, who dressed up. He basically he'd been for a haircut, and the barber had just. He's a British Asian guy, a, a, a British Chinese Asian guy, and the and the barber had assumed he spoke Cantonese and asked him what haircut he want. Didn't know what said yes because he didn't know what the bloke had said. He ended up with like a Kim Jong Un, right? Right. <laughs> so funny. So for so for Hong Kong Sevens, what he did is he dressed up as Kim Jong Un, and a dozen blokes from his office in the city all wore uniforms, all wore those sort of those sort of North Korean style Soviet style uniforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With lot with lots of medals. And, a, and and one of his one of his mates who worked in the office, um, it was a black guy, went as Dennis Rodman, and they were there was this. You'd look at you'd look at the other end, you'd look over to the stand at the other end, and there was this khaki patch at That's the other brilliant. end of at the other end of the stand, and you could see him in the middle, and the photos of him sort of waving at the crowd. <laughs> really fantastic. Anyway, it's an amazing place, Hong Kong. I, I um, do they still I do the sevens reckon, then? Well, I mean, they they were until covid you know and 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 they've all had all that civil disturbance there as well the protests mm. um uh then uh, uh 
but yeah, I mean, the, the, the plan is to carry on with it. It's such a great, it's such a great weekend of sport because the games are short and they're international level. And the thing is, if you're not enjoying this match, there literally will be another one along in 15 minutes. And they just they just play, 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 play like that. And the rugby goes at this tremendous speed. Right. And everyone and the crowd are all in fancy dress. And it's sort of someone called it straight pride when we were there. Which was, um, <laughs> I think there was a lot of it the last time I was there, which was which was I mean, I well, I, I mean, the last time I was there, I went to do I literally went to do an after lunch speech and flew flew in and flew out. And me and my buddy Bjorn were in and out in, I don't know, 28 hours. 36, 30 hours. Right. Yeah, that was quite, that was quite something. Anyway, um, the, the question from John in Hong Kong is, hello, chaps, and greetings from Hong Kong. Have you managed Akhtung Akhtung in Cantonese yet? Well, we just did it. We just did we it, We just John. did it. Jui Lei, Jui Lei, I think, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I may never be able to go back to Hong Kong as a result of that. And hello to everyone in Wuhan listening to the podcast. Um, a great pod. I'm still catching up, um, but getting through three or four episodes a week is a hike around Hong Kong. The parks here are full of war artefacts. I'm observing working my way along Gin Drinkers Lane and observing entry points such as Regent Street and Shaftesbury Avenue. The more I read, the more I realise the profound impact the Japanese invasion must have had. I read about atrocities during the three years of occupation, including 10,000 civilians killed during this period. How important was taking Hong Kong to the Japanese during the war? How did the Chinese respond just over the border? Cheers, John. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a major British port, um, obviously, and yep. trading hub, and um, you're denying that to the British. Um, and yeah. it's an amazing... It's very symbolic. You know, it's, it's symbolic too, isn't it? It's I mean, symbolic, if you're, yeah. Yeah, if, if, you're, if your thing is uh, uh, taking down symbols of empire, then Hong Kong is very much there. Although it's not in the British sort of um, imperial pecking order in the way Singapore is, is it? In terms no. of we have to defend it and so we're going to stick some great big guns at the end of the harbour. It's not It's not got that going on. No, and it, it hasn't got oil and rubber and all those kind of things. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, what, what they're showing is, you know, you might have thought that Britain was the top dog around here, but but it isn't. We are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, they treated they treated the Chinese absolutely appallingly, as they did elsewhere in China. I mean, just, yeah. just absolutely appallingly. And, um, yeah. you know, lots of British people there were, were, were banged up and treated just as badly as everybody else. I mean, yeah, mm. absolutely. It was a terrible time. And how did uh, where did the Japanese attack from? What was the what was the because the, they're in China anyway, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know actually. That's a very very good question. Do you know what? I've never looked at that in any details. There you go. I don't know. Wow, really? No, not really. You got him. Well done. Well done, John Cardis in Hong Kong. You got him. <laughs> okay, I'll, yes, I'll come back to you, John. Come back to you, John. Need to need to Hong read Kong it. must fall. And uh, uh, that that wow, because because I don't know. after all they're in. They're, they're in China. In, they're but... in. They're in China, aren't they? Yeah. So presumably it was over land, wasn't it? Straight, straight in. I, I just, I just, I just don't know. No, nor do I. Okay, so sorry. Stump me on that one. But I assume they're coming down from the mainland and uh, and in. I'm assuming and, so too. I mean, I wonder what the British garrison do. Do they go? Oh well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll or the oh, it's probably the Indian Army, isn't it? But do, do, do they go? Well, right, it's, it's we'll, Christmas we'll... Day, isn't it? It's it's pretty, it's, it's pretty yeah, Christmas right. Day, and it's and it's just completely. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just it's a, it's sort of like Singapore, but 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 kind of even less so. There's just there's just not enough, yeah. not enough to defend yeah. it, not enough organisation. I mean, you know, I've just been reading Rob Lyman's new book about all this, and he's fascinating about yeah. all this actually, um, and what happens and and how it comes about and the and the lack of training and yeah. 
fascinating. But also, you've got that you've got that thing where you have to decide if it's worth doing, because mm. because do you want do you want the place destroyed in the in the process of defending it? You know, uh, 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 I mean, a little like um, uh, Port Stanley, where that you know the Marines defend the governor's mansion, don't they? And yeah. They put up they put up they, they they sink something and they put up a fight. They sink something with a cargo stuff, don't they? They sink a landing craft or something. Yeah. They put up a fight. And they make they make a show of it, and then they and then they stop um, because because they know they're going to lose. What's the point and all that sort of thing? I mean, which sort of after all, if you're fighting the Japanese, it's different, isn't it? Because when you lose, you don't know what's going to happen to you. No. Um, uh, uh, yeah. But 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 at the start, they don't know that. No, 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 no. Of course not. No, you, you know, don't. They, know they don't know that, that the Japanese have. You know, they were quite yeah. nice back in the yeah. First World War. So you know, they don't yeah. know they've had this kind of complete sea change and how they approach prisoners and everything i mean yeah you know i don't think anyone would have been quite so ready to throw in the towel if that had been the case yeah, exactly yeah you know absolutely not well we don't know we're going to have to go away and look into that john i'm, I'm mm. sorry about that john i'm expect the chinese over the border aren't the chinese over the border and it's the japanese over the border and the chinese over the border are, are being uh are on the receiving end of, of all this well, the chinese anyway don't re- well. the chinese don't like the british you know for, for fairly obvious reasons uh, and and chiang kai-shek is doesn't like the British, you know. He he thinks they're patronising and overmighty, and you know all the, yeah. all those sort of things. So, although he did get on very well with Mountbatten, but Mountbatten, you know, that was what again. That was one of the reasons why Mountbatten was appointed was because he didn't seem like the typical British imperialist with his sort of you know swagger stick yeah. and kind of grey moustache and all the rest of it and piff helmet. You know, he, he he sort of looked like a Hollywood film star. So yeah, you know, he didn't sort of conform to type. Um, but but you know, relations with the Chinese were very difficult. Um. And you know the whole point was to try and sort of keep the the the, the road open from 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 Burma, wasn't it? It was the kind of Burma Road. That was that was the main supply yeah. line. So then, when Burma falls, that's that's a big problem. That's w- one of the main reasons. I mean, the, the Japanese want Burma and Malaya and all the rest of it because they want the they want supplies stuff. But what yeah. they really want is is Rangoon and they want and and Mandalay because they want to get the Burma Road. The Burma Road is yeah. a is a supply route to the to Chinese nationalists by the British, yeah, and Americans, in fact. And then, of course, you know, once once that goes, then they have to think again, and and that's the establishment of the hump and the kind of you know the flight over the Himalayas and all the rest mm-hmm. of it, and from airfields up in Assam. But what's really interesting about it is, up until that point, there was nothing. I mean, there were no yeah. airfields in Assam. You know, so you you it's it's just incredible, you know, how unprepared they were in 1941 and 1942. Really, how quickly they get their themselves together the japanese make a film called the battle of hong kong i mean i've been uh, I, I flicked onto the internet make make a film called the battle of hong kong in 1942 which is also known as the day england fell so there's <laughs> your there's your symbolism within propaganda yeah of because uh, after all i suppose you get your hands on you know a, a classic british colonial place yep in the far east and it and and a the film is now lost, it says, but it, it, it had it portrayed the British as being brutal and racist and all that sort of stuff. In well, they were point. definitely racist. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah, there's no no doubt about that. And 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 so so Hong Kong as this sort of prestige target or prestige conquest is really obviously something that matters to the Japanese. Yeah, that's very interesting. We need to we need to go away and find out. Now I'll tell you what. We'll take a break and then we'll do Darren's email. How about that? We'll be back in a second. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk um, with me, Al Murray, and James Holland. 
Um, we've been talking about all manner of stuff. Um, and uh, and uh, listener John um, Cardus there in Hong Kong stumped James Holland. Uh, which was, I think, you were, we were doing pretty well. <laughs> We've been going quite well we for a, the last two years. And suddenly a, exactly, it's a pretty good <laughs> head of steam. Just pretty good head of steam it. on the war waffle and it's just been trodden on. Right, so this is from Darren Bringes. I think that's how we pronounce his name, regarding the Ox and Bucks. And um, someone the other day had retweeted the Colonel's account um, from last year of, of the Hasbrook battle, of what happened to uh, my grandfather and the Ox and Bucks. Um, and, uh, and a load of people also picked up on it and because this time last year we were doing we were doing dunkirk weren't we we were doing the sort of all our dunkirk specials weren't we that was two years ago wasn't it no it was last year was it last year two years ago it was last, yeah, last year. year last year okay it was last year during yeah, yeah, lockdown. yeah 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 it was lockdown, oh, God. lockdown special i know lockdown's gone a long time but it's not two Oof. years jesus what? <laughs> christ talk about, Sorry about that. yeah because we're, we're talking anniversaries aren't we <laughs> yeah, what we should right, talk yeah. about we should talk about is because it's 1941 you know, yeah. 30th anniversary of 1941 that's yeah. that's the year of Tobruk Siege of Tobruk it's the year yeah. of Crete yeah you know Crete's coming up isn't it yeah all, May 21st all, all, those, all, all those gleaming all those gleaming moments in British yeah, yeah, military yeah, but we, should, but we should talk about, the, about <laughs> yeah but, but what, what were those forces I mean how many British troops were there and how many New Zealanders and Aussies all right, and you ca- Indians. You, and- you ca- you, all right, you cared. Yeah, you cared. You know? Yeah, you, Contribution. You, 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 yeah, exactly. You, UK em, 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 Empire and Dominions. That's what we're calling it. We should do something on Crete, shouldn't we? Or Duke. 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 That's what it is. Well, well, Dominions, Duke. UK and Empire. We call it Duke. Oh, I Dominions, like that. That's UK really and strong, Empire. isn't it? That is really good. Duke. <laughs> we call it Duke from now on. <laughs> the efforts of Duke. What I is mean, it? Dominion, got, yeah. UK, Empire. Dominion, yeah, Dominion's UK Empire. Because oh, then it's not, really you, then it's not, you, then it's not the UK leading the thing either, is it? Because it's about the combined effort of the Duke. We I got love the that. Duke. I love that. That's the Duke's really in theatre. <laughs> That's really, really good. Go. That's fantastic. But we, we should got, do. So we never really talked about Crete, have we? We should talk about Crete. No, maybe we'll do that. No, next we've time. not. We we've not talked about Crete. Why not? Let's talk about Crete at some point. I mean, I wonder if anyone's like. Is there anyone writing about Crete currently? Anyone specialising in it? Because it's a, mm. I mean, it's a, it's a quite story. the battle, yeah. isn't it? It's quite a story. And interestingly, you know, Alan Clark wrote about it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and Anthony Beaver. And Anthony Beaver. Yeah. So you've you've you know you've got, you know, and then Paddy Lee Firmer and all that stuff. Yes. Um, yes. Which is all very very interesting. Yeah. Um, last hurrah of the Falchion Jaeger. I mean, as Pyrrhic victories go, all that sort of thing, you know. It's, yeah, um, I've written about it twice. I've written about it in my War in the West Volume 1. And I also did one of my Jack Tanner novels was set on Crete. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do Crete. Because Crete's when? Crete's uh, June. May, isn't it? 21st of well, May. Well, 20th of May. 20th of May to the 1st of June, yeah. 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 So we could do it next week, can we? We could. Why not? Okay. Uh, I'll, get some, I'll get some retina in. And, oh, uh, we can't spend right. we can't spend too much time on this podcast talking about what we're going to talk on the next podcast, though. No, that would be that would not be that would not be good. Okay, this is from Darren Bridges. Hi, Alan James. Loving the podcast and being in the virtual company, the similarly afflicted. As a rel- relatively recent convert, I've raced towards my objective of getting completely up to date with the pod. So I can I ask, so I can ask a question that I've long wanted to know more about, given it has some local interest. In pursuit of this aim, I've raced along the single highway without stopping for a brew at the roadside 
or being distracted by any pesky heights. I live in a small town, the small town of Faversham in Kent, which incidentally, Al, is twinned with Harzerbrook. Down a small side street behind the local brewery, one of their beers being Spitfire, though hopefully not a Mark I, is what was a congregation, a congregational, he knows he's, he's got all the in-jokes down, a congregational <laughs> church hall. On it is a plaque that reads, 50th anniversary of the Second World War, Congregational Church or Billet for B Company, 1st Battalion, 43rd Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire Light Infantry, 17th October 1943 to 14th June 44, 35 of whom were killed on the battlefields of Northwest Europe. We will remember them in, in gratitude from the people of Faversham. I've often wondered as I passed the building what action B Company took part in and how their war ended after they left Faversham. Here's hoping you can shed some light on this and answer something that's long intrigued me. Keep up the great work. Kind regards, Darren. Well, 1st Battalion Ox and Bucks, um, uh, they are, they get put into um, uh, 71st Infantry Brigade and then they're part of 53rd Welsh Infantry Division. So although oh, they're Oxen Bucks, well, the Welsh, they're Welsh. Welsh. Have a, a Welsh have, a, um, have an amazing, I mean, that's an amazing division. So you're looking at um, Epsom, you're looking at uh Is that, is that, is that Epsom? Is, are they in for Epsom? I thought they were a bit later. I think they're a bit later than Epsom. I think they come in in well, August. They, they, they come in 24th of, 4th of, 24th of June, Oxen Bucks land in Normandy. Okay. First, first, first battalion, Oxen Bucks. Um, uh, um, with, with the rest of the 53rd Welsh. Um, uh, so they're so they're part of Epsom. They're part of um, Charnwood, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think that uh, Charnwood. I, they, I'm, I'm, I remember them being very involved in the, those sort of late in the later um, Battle Normandy of Odon. battles. Yes, Totalise. Odon, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. And all the ones that are going into into yeah, August exactly. August 1944. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, they're certainly part of Veritable. Yes, they're a big, big part of Ver- Veritable, alongside, alongside, um, uh, you know, Fifty um, Second Lowland Division, who we've talked about a lot. It's part of that, part of that um, uh, real slugfest that goes on in the winter of um, uh, forty-four into forty-five. So they, I mean, they, 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 they literally end up in Hamburg. Is where they end their war. So they do, they do the hot. Apart from D-Day. They do. They do the whole thing, all the way from Normandy um, to essentially. Yeah, they're one of the. They're, you know, along with Fifteenth Scottish, Fifty Second Lowland, all those yeah, ones, Forty Third yeah. Wessex. They're one of those yeah. ones that are just there all the whole the time. The whole time. All the way, Rangers the whole do time. some operations with the with the Fifty Third Welsh Division. Yeah. I think a, uh, are they with them at Blackcock? I think no, they're with maybe. I don't know. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. You know, I know we've, we've talked about it a, a bit recently, but but it, you you really you you just cannot stress enough just how yeah. grim it was that long slog. It's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. You know, it just it just goes on and on uh, in incredibly brutal conditions, um, increasingly brutal conditions as as winter kicks in. And as I yep. never fail of reminding everyone, Winters was bad in the Second World War. <laughs> yeah, he left that out of his email, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. You know, so so you can see why thirty-five of them wouldn't have come home. And it's also it's interesting, isn't it? The Ox of Bucks and they're part of part of the Welsh division. I mean, you know, battalions really are kind of sort of mixed up all over the place by this stage. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, that's 35 out of the company. He's talking about the company here. So D, yeah. D Company, it's not, that's not a battalion. This is the, the yeah, yeah. B Company, B Company 1st Battalion. So that's, a, you know, out so, of 120 men. So they would have been, they would have been very busy. They'd have had an awful lot, lot to do. Um, I mean, it's just it's just one battle after the other, really, isn't it? I mean, they are involved in, That's the, right. in, in their battle. They're involved in Arnhem. Um, they're involved and the, ba- in, the Battle of the Bulge as well. Um, uh, well, they, they're involved they're in atta- that, are they? They're attached to 30 Corps, They're, they're yep. definitely in, in Veritable. And Veritable then just runs on. So Veritable's a really big old battle because it goes from the 9th of February right through to, you know, 12th of March, something yep. like that. Then there's a pause. Yep. Then there's then there's crossing of the Rhine, which they're involved yep. in. So and, and then it's the kind of, you know, just the push up through the rest of Germany. You know, so it's, it's just... Plunder- Yes, yeah, so they do. Yeah. Yes, they do veritable then plunder, and then and then and literally go literally go to Hamburg. The other the Bucks Battalion, which is the which is the my my grandfather's outfit, they become a beach party for um, D Day itself. Oh, okay. So that that's the, that's their job, mm-hmm. um, and they put they put people down. You know, an anti tank anti tank platoon goes down in the first wave and all that sort of stuff. Because the Orcs and Bucks um, have a heck of a war, don't they? They certainly do. They are you know, absolutely they are absolutely everywhere. They're like the DNI. Um, a little bit, they are a little bit like the DLI, and they're well represented in uh, in in Italy. At the, I mean, yep. they're ba- basically they're basically everywhere. I mean, uh, how many how many battalions do they put out in the war? I don't know. That's a good question. Quite a lot. That's a, quite a lot, I think. Um, quite a lot. I'll need to. I'll need uh, again. I'll, I'll need, need to go away and come back to that. Talk to the colonel. Yes, they're they're, they're a bit. Uh, the the yeah the, yeah. They're they're all over the place, Ox and Bucks. They're, you know, Sofo would be be the place to find all that out in yeah. in Woodstock. Um, right. What else have we got here? Um, uh, Callum Rogers has another question. Hello to the We Have Ways team and Alan James. Loving the pod and really enjoying the independent company. I've been rereading Spike Milligan's books on his experiences in the war for the first time since I was at school. The barrack room humour and the glee they take in the concerts was just is just as entertaining and striking as it ever was. Was there a German version of Ensa? And how much effort was put into maintaining MC of OC, moral component of operational capability, in the Reich? Or was it expected that the men were motivated enough by all that Nazi business and didn't need jokes, songs, tea and to place a shower and a place to shower and kit behind the lines? Loving the pod, Callum, brackets, Buck, Rogers, <clears throat> Dolphin 33. <laughs> well, well, yeah, there is. Um, it's, it, but it, it's not quite the same. So, Ensa is... is he's set up in 1939 and that's part of the NAFI. That's like a, like a, like a subsection of the NAFI. So, yeah. so, so, you know, the NAFI surprise, obviously, you know, fags and beer and extra stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, and the enter is a part of that and they go around doing their shows and stuff. And there aren't that many really famous people in, in enter. There are, no, but not that many. I mean, the, the exceptions, people like sort of Vera Lynn and stuff. But it's yeah. but it's not about getting film stars. It, it, you know that's where a lot of people kind of, you know, first first got into showbiz. Um, you know, um, people like sort of Kenneth Williams and people weren't they? they yeah, were yeah, involved in Ensa. You know, yeah. so th- there are some famous people, but they tend to be famous after the war rather than during the war. Then yeah. then the US has United Services organisations, the USO. Yeah, and uh, they they go on big celebs. I mean, that's that's how they do it. So they do yeah. get Marlene Dietrich, who's who's become yeah. American, and they they do get kind of you know Bob Hope and all the rest of it. Yeah. So the Germans, um, what they have is they have the Bureau for Wehrmacht Propaganda, the WPR. Okay. Big big W, big P, small R. Yeah. And 
this is quite a big operation. You know, there's there's quite a bit. There's like fifteen thousand people involved in this, uh, and they have dependencies in every theatre. So they they have a right. the the big the, the WPR is based in Berlin, and they've got little kind of offshoots all over the place. So you would have your WPR man in Kharkov, or you know, yeah, um, Belgrade, or Bologna, or or wherever it might be. Yeah, and. Yep. The WPR is also responsible not just for entertaining the troops, but, but uh, with, with shows and things, but also with magazines. So Signal magazine, the famous yeah. Signal magazine, that yeah, is yeah. run and, and written by by the WPR, as is the magazine right. Die Wehrmacht. Yeah, yeah. So, but they do lay on. They have they have mobile cinemas which they they send around to the troops. Um, yeah. And so they do put they lay on these these cinema shows, you know, wherever the troops are. Um, yeah. And you know they're kind of exactly what you'd expect. You know, films right. about about how awful the Rothschilds are. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a film that comes out in 1941 called Stukers, which is of course right. about Stukers and how amazing they are. And there's another one called called in, in 1941 called U-Booter Westwärts. Um, you know, U-Boats West Westwards. Which of course is, uh, and there was, uh, I was, I was having a little look at other nineteen forty one films um, that that were shown by the WPR. One of them was called Ich Klage, I Accuse, which is right. <laughs> check this out. I mean, check this out for fun. So this is a pro euthanasia film about a woman who's got an incurable disease, and um, she wants to have the, she wants to to kill herself so that she can save the German state money. Oh. So that's what they're showing the troops. Yeah, it's a whole but bag really? of laughs. Yes. Really? But they're, yes. they, they, sh- they show, show they show um they, they show that at a mobile cinema in Yugoslavia in nineteen forty. But are they also not showing them Laurel and Hardy films and, and... No. No, no, they're not. They must, uh, but they, they must They're also they saying that they are some... showing comedies, but they're mainly right. they are showing comedies, but they're just not very funny. Um but they're mainly kind of, you know, Aunt Stuka's brilliant. Aunt Are You Boat's fantastic. You know, they're kind of really martial, gung-ho stuff. And it's all yeah. ideology and kind of on message and all the rest of it. It's just right. an absolute nonsense. Um, but they also have, they do have theatre groups. So they send out uh, theatre groups. And these are these are run on behalf of the WPR by the KDF, you know, which is a strength through joy organisation. Yeah. Which is this kind of sort of arts, kind of sort of weird arts organisation. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like the National Theatre meets Tate Modern meets I don't know the National Trust, yeah, yeah kind yeah. of thing. Um, right, but they don't. I mean, so they don't send out celebs, really. You know, they they don't have kind of big sportsmen or anything because but, of course they're do, already in the armed services. But we do, however, know that there's radio and the, the people are listening. You know, the desert famously everyone's listening to Lily Marlena and all yeah. that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and that there is a there is a culture going on isn't there within, so the radio is within, also run that, that those radio shows are also run by wpr right. everything is state controlled everything is run everything is completely there must have been a concert party dressing up as a woman i mean they're soldiers someone dresses up as a woman and stands well they, they might do that in the tell off their d- own back tells rude jokes yeah yeah they might do but but it's it's much more serious than that so they send out theater groups but you know they put on plays you know they kind of you know it's yeah. all quite serious it's not it's not it's not Panto. How bizarre! Well, the Nazis were bizarre, weren't they? So, you know, I well, think we yeah. can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah WPR. Yeah, yeah. That's that. 
that's their their equivalent. But it, but it is but it isn't a, it isn't a like for like. That's the point. And are they are they um are they they're reading the men's mail, so they know exactly, you know, in the same way the British Army do the or the Duke do this. That they're um, uh, 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 they're reading they're they're re- you know part of the reason you sent to the men's mail or read the men's mail is to see how they're feeling as much as as much as to make sure they say as they don't say in their letters tomorrow we strike at Tobruk like in, you know in a letter that arrives six weeks later anyway like whatever right but but a, a, a big part of it is that you you know you're keeping an eye on you're keeping an eye on how this stuff. How the men are feeling, yes. aren't you? And they, they they must be doing that as well, because because you need those feedback loops, don't you? When you're yes, when when, when you're running an army. Yeah, no, completely, completely. Um, but but I suppose the point with this is it's just you know they do have locks, and and you know when they're in Paris, they're going up to the you know Folie Bergère and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So you know all that sort of stuff is going on, but. Uh, and there's also kind of entertaining the troops, you know, w- w- sort of out of the line and at the front, isn't there? There's a sort of di- yeah. there's, there's a difference, you know. But they're just they're just not doing the kind of sort of dressing up as women. I mean, they probably are dressing up as women. I don't know, but they're, they're, you know, they're not doing that kind of slapstick and kind of Laurel and Hardy and kind of panto esque and yeah, playing it for laughs. So, you know, they 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 send out theatre groups and they end up doing quite serious stuff. I mean, it's just all a bit yeah. a bit grim, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what can you do? I mean, they're Nazis, aren't they? So, well, yeah, yeah, but but yeah, but I always I always think the, the, the one of the things we've one of the things we've sort of talked about a lot in the last in the last year. One of the things I'm I'm trying to get my head around is yes, yes, we are talking about the Nazis, and it's a crazy and it's crazy in the official stuff. You know, I mean, the thing the thing I'm thinking of, I think, is when Waitman Waitman Bourne talked to us about. You know the three company commanders in, in uh, uh, and their reaction to being told that they had to uh, round Jews up and kill them. There's the one who goes, "Yeah, no problem," into it. The other one who goes, "I'd like a written order, please," and the third one who says, "No." And the, there's there's enough of a component, isn't there? There must be enough of a. There must be blokes who are doing what Milligan's doing and dressing up in. Dressing up as women and blowing raspberries at their officers and having a good laugh, yeah. and their officers know better than to discourage this and to undermine it. Yeah. And also, and also, you know, in the same way that in the same way that that, that you know, um, uh, the army developed this British army develops this education thing and sends out pamphlets and is getting the men to to read about your future and all that sort of thing and the country worth fighting for and all that stuff that. That happens, doesn't it, through the Army Education Bureau, all that sort of thing. There must be, there must be. I just find it. I, I find it's not that I find it hard to believe. I find that from what we've learned, from the way we've talked about some of this stuff regarding the, the, the way the Germans ru- run things, is there's got to be stuff that, like, like Milligan with a bucket on his head, blowing raspberries at his officers, and there's got to be officers who know better than to stop their men from doing that because it's a good outlet and it. It lets it keeps them entertained and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, I guess so, but 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 not on a kind of organisational level. I mean, you know, yeah. there are, there, you know, Ensa is all about locks and having fun and kind of cancans and and you know, blokes dressing up as women and and sort of panto yeah. and slapstick. USO is not like that either. I mean, the, the Americans don't have that. They just have kind of huge celebrities coming over and you know, they have Bob Hope um, doing stand up and they and they have you know people coming you know singers coming to sing. 
um, and film stars, you know, but, but what the Germans, you know, what the WPR is organizing is, is, yeah. is propaganda films and, and theatrical shows. And obviously there are comedies. I mean, you know, whether they're very funny or not, but, but it's not that slapstick on the hey, other steady hand, on. <laughs> uh, on, on the other hand, you know, there is, you, you will find, you know, different units have different cultures and, and, it's it's kind of sort of top down, isn't it? And and if there's yeah, you know, I I remember this, you know, following the fortunes of a Neville Werfer, um, you know, artillery commander through yeah. Italy, you know, and and he obviously had a very very strong rapport with his men. And there's there's a time where um, you know, he's miserable and they're all miserable and they're on retreat and there's you know they're just to hold up for a, you know they're kind of yeah. north of Rome and it's all a bit grim yeah. and. Uh, and anyway, that you know, he's going to bed and he's thinking, God, it's my birthday tomorrow. You know, will I ever have another birthday? Will I ever see my family again? It's all absolutely grim. Yeah. And suddenly, yeah. there's a you know, all his men appear, and and they've they've tried to comb their hair, and they've you know they've done a bad job of shaving, and they've they've made him a cake, um, yeah. and they all sing happy birthday to him. And someone's found it. They've been saving a bottle of, of 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 fizz that they captured a couple of weeks beforehand, specially. Yeah. Uh, and they all have a sing song and they stay out all night and they lark around and you know, and all the rest of it. And so they have a little sort of, you know, ad hoc party. And, and, and you know, you're, you're struck by just how humane that is and how human and, yeah. and how yeah, ordinary yeah. that is. And the, there's very little evidence of Nazi ideology in any of that. And it's just a it's a it's a really nice touching scene that he, yeah. he depicts. And it's could have been an American, could have been a Brit, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it could have been. You know, so, so I, I think all these things are just, there's no hard and fast rule about different units and how they entertain themselves and what yeah. they do and how they treat one another. There is official lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there is kind of what happens on an individual basis and what happens on a kind of individual unit basis, I think. Yeah. I think there's, a, you know, different, different, different parts of the Wehrmacht have different levels of inform- you know obviously the U-boat crews are kind of you know it's massive informality isn't there because yes, you all start well, there together. has to be there has to be yeah. right you know what the WPR are doing is is straight down the line absolutely propaganda on message and it's just pumping out the same old shit that they always do what about what about the sort of um, making sure the men get a shower and all that sort of thing because yeah, the, they do because... they do all that as well but they don't I don't think they do it quite as to the same level as 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 the, the the British and the Allies, you know, the Allies do because it's a cost and expense, and it's a you know when your logistics are really really taut, that's the sort of yeah. thing that goes by the wayside. So they're kind of I think that you know I think German you know certainly by nineteen forty four you know if you're in Italy or in your German troop or in Normandy or whatever you know you wash in the river, don't you? Yeah, and the army's on his ass anyway. And the army's um, on his ass anyway, you know. So yeah, because I mean one of the one of the interesting things in Jonathan Fennell's book. Um, uh, fighting the people's war and he talks about when when you know they're 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 re- 21st army group reading their men's mail and all that and they can see morale is beginning to slip in normandy and all of a sudden there's beer and showers and they make a they make a proper effort to make sure that people are able to let off steam yeah um and it works yeah well, that comes across uh, it, with all the Sherwood Rangers stuff you know when they do come yeah, out of line yeah. and they you know they have all this i mean there's a there's a brilliant bit in stuart hills is writings which he writes pretty much at the time so not in his book but it, but it's immediately written because he wrote a book in yeah. kind of 2003 or something but yeah but, but the book that's written the the, the stuff he writes sort of the notes, immediately yeah. after the war 
you know, he says there's, there's always this great relief. That kind of initially when you come out of the line, you think, oh, thank God I've made it. And, you know, you, you yeah. get letters come in and the naffy van turns up and you get beer and cigarettes and you kind of, you know, word goes around that the mobile cinema's coming in and, you know, what the film is and, you know, you get all that kind of excitement. And then four days later or three days later, there's the kind of that horrible sinking feeling that you've got to sort of go through the whole process all over again. Yes, the sinking feeling is the thing that's been really striking me in reading in, in reading uh, the, the book, is that, that that thing of it, oh, well, here we go again. Here we go again. Uh, it's how people summon themselves up to go over, over a new start line each time, is that? Yeah. Talking of um, to Brooke, you mentioned to Brooke yeah, uh, earlier on, and yeah. um, and reading mail. So it reminded me of a story that Angus Gold told me. So Angus Gold is uh, is a is a pretty eminent um, uh, racehorse trainer, um, but his father was Mickey Gold. He's one of the characters in the in the Sherwood Rangers, and he told me that 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 Mickey had agreed with his parents that if he was ever in trouble, he'd write a letter, and the second letter of the first you know of the line on on, on the kind of the first line of the of the letter yeah. would would yeah. spell out where he is so when yeah. when they got stuck into brook in the siege of tobruk he said he sent them a note saying stop worrying oh. about arthur quite okay <laughs> so they would know he was in tobruk oh god and the sense is that brilliant? <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> Ah, oh, brilliant. Well, I think that we, what a discursive um, episode. God, well, we've really we've your... gone all over the place, haven't we? We've gone right round the bloody house. I'm still, I'm still atta- feeling a little bit. I'm, I'm feeling I've, I've, you know, I've let you down. Caught out on Hong Kong. I've let, I've let, yeah, I've let you down. I've let the podcast down. But most of all, no, you haven't. I've let down myself. No, no, James, you haven't. Um, you've, you've, you've <laughs> shown yourself to be human. <laughs> Oh, um, very good. Well, that was fun. Crikey, look at the time. Um, we're back Thursday morning, as always, then live streaming Thursday night. A very unusual guest joining us from the US of A. Mm. Yeah. I wonder who that is. Juicy choose. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> Cheerio. Stand eine Laterne und steht sie noch davor. So wollen wir uns da wieder sehen. Bei der Laterne wollen wir stehen. Wie einst Lili Marlene. Wie einst Lili beiden Schatten sahen wie einer aus, dass wir so lieb uns hatten, das sah man gleich daraus. Und alle Leute sollen es sehen, wenn wir bei der Laterne stehen.